Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. Well, hope you guys are tuned in for a minute. I'm going to grab a stool. Is that okay? I'm not hurting anything. Trust me. I just find that I can start off a little more focused if I'm less mobile sometimes. <laughs> so I want to encourage you about something. Rachel just talked about Ryan and Courtney being in the DR. And we believe in sending people. We believe that the church is a sending agency. And we believe that, that God encourages the, uh, the, the local church to be that apparatus that, that sends people into culture, into the planet, into the very nations of the world to get something done. And so not only should you be praying for Ryan and Courtney, uh, there's other opportunities around, right out of church triumph. Ryan and Courtney were a part of us for three or four years, and, and they, God saw fit to send them uh, to the DR. And we are grateful that we have a part to play in that. But also, uh, there, there, there are other people. Um, Brad and Sherry Catron are, uh, are, are attenders here at Church T, and they do, you guys heard from them during the summer while I was gone, they're having a, a, a fundraising banquet September 28th at Tabernacle Baptist Church. If you'd like to be a part of making sure the people of Tevetta, Kenya and that surrounding area um, are impacted with the gospel, clean water, feeding stuff, and, and, and all those kind of things they use for discipleship purposes, I'd encourage you to, to get a hold of Brad and Sherry and ask if you can volunteer that night. I'd encourage you to come to the banquet, learn everything that they're doing, and be a part of giving into that, okay? So, uh, go check out their, their website, foothold.org. Um, get, a, get a hold of the church office. We'll put you in touch with them or something like that, okay? So um, that being said, get a, grab a Bible, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 7. We're going to talk about things that make you go, hmm, right? And so as we start, let's pray, okay? Pray. We're going to pray this morning, like my wife described, for the people of Florida, Um I have a friend there who I graduated high school with, who we still hang out with and talk, and he's told me this morning that his mom and, and his now stepdad has refused to leave an evacuation area. Um, Melody Scott has family right in the same area, right in St. Pete. His mom's right in St. Pete, and it's right with your, with your family. Um, we've got Stephen and Angie Gillenworth and, and Paul and Kyra Dickerson were down in Pensacola for vacation, and they're, they're trying to make their way home and they're in Nashville and so they're, uh, Clara and, and Dick Kuchbach, some of Nancy and, and, and uh, Doris family are, are had to hunker down and find another place to stay and so it's very real man. Um, this, is, this is intense. Right now this morning I heard that 560,000 people without power in Florida as awful as Hurricane Harvey was and and Houston being the fourth largest city in the United States only 300,000 people without power. Right now, before it actually hits, 560,000 people are without power in Florida right now. Do you understand the, the gravity of that? And so let's pray for them, okay? Um, because that's, that's part, of our, uh, part of our deal, right? So Jesus, um, we come to you right now. And God, as we get the blessing of enjoying a beautiful uh, September morning with the sun shining and just the temperature seems perfect and the birds chirping, God, and we get to enjoy uh, this moment in Ohio God, right now, God, people are enduring a morning of difficulty and ugliness and tragedy, Jesus. And so, God, we are asking, God, that your spirit be prevalent there in the middle of all of that. God, your word tells us, God, you send your angels to take charge over us, that we would not even set our foot against a stone. And God, here are some people that we care about, people that we love, people who are fellow citizens, God, who are, who are just under the gun right now. God, we ask God for your grace and your provision and your power to be there. We pray for authorities. God, we pray for mayors and, 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 and congressmen and, and law enforcement and, and first responders and, and all these people, God, who are engaged in, in making sure the people in, in the track of this thing, God, are, are taken care of, are provided for, that they'd be wise, they'd be understanding, and the Lord Jesus, your grace would be there. For those, God, who are kind of in a spot where they can't get out or chose not to get out, God, we pray for a special intervention on, your, on their behalf by you, out of grace, God, not, not because they deserve it, but because, God, they have family members who are dressed, desperately worried and concerned and, and, and all of that, God, we pray your, your power would be there. God, we do pray for entities like Samaritan 
Samaritan's Purse, God, for World Vision, Compassion International, and all these kinds of agencies, God, who flock, who run toward the mess, literally, Lord God. We pray, Father, they would, they would have enough provision, enough ability, God, to come in, God, and meet the, the, the existing need after the aftermath, that, God, there would be no lack for them. The Lord Jesus, your power and your strength be there. And not only would that be the case, God, as people extend hands that have bottles of water, that have clothes, God, that open up doors to shelters and, and whatever else, God, we pray, God, the invitation and the power of the gospel would, be, would, would, would attend all of that intervention. And that, God, people would be aware, God, that this life is fleeting and there is an eternal one to grab a hold of. And that, Lord Jesus, their lives would be forever, ever changed. Not just in the temporary now, but in the eternal future. And so, Jesus, we thank you for that. God, we trust you and we bless you. It's in your great and awesome and powerful name we pray. Amen. If you use a, an electronic device, we do use version as, 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 uh, as a, a thing you can follow notes. So you can click in there. You'll find Church T if you use, have your location services on. And you can follow along. We'll get Ecclesiastes chapter 7. I don't know if you guys have uh, anybody in your house who comes up with profound statements. Anybody like a simple truth in, 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 encased in a profundity? Dude, like, what does that mean? Can you spell that? Yes, I can. P-R-O-F. U-N-D-I-T-Y, a profundity. That means something that goes, kind of hits you, like it's profound. And oftentimes, simple truths are wrapped in things that seem very profound. I have a daughter. We call her Sierra or Sissy. When she was young, she would often just come up at the top of her head, this, these real philosophical sounding things. And one day we were sitting, and she looked at me one day, and she said, Dad, you know what I was thinking the other day? And I said, what were you thinking, sis? And she said, no matter where you go, there you are. <laughs> and and it, it sounds funny right now, but you know what? I spent a summer realizing that in a lot of times I was someplace, but I wasn't there. And I had to be reminded it's important for me to be wherever I am, right? And so, so I, I, there's a simple truth that's engaged in that, that's seeming kind of like, oh, that's kind of... And we, we, obviously we go around the house and say deep thoughts with Sierra Hines, you know, and, 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 and but at the same time, there were things in there that would be like, I'm, I'm supposed to grab that, you know what I mean? It's supposed to be a part of, of, of who I am. Um, sometimes there are really simple things that get right past us, right? Like they're, they're supposed to be like, shh, like, oh, and, and we just, we just, and it just goes like this, right? Just whoop, right, right, right over our heads. Sometimes the most important things take us a minute to wrap our minds around, right? We just, 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 just it takes like, yeah. And after we stop to consider them, they're actually life-changing. You know, if we just stop and go, hmm. And, and at the same time, they're really, really simple. You know, God's perspective is hard for us to grasp naturally sometimes. But you know why that is? It's because he doesn't want us living naturally. He wants us living supernaturally. In order for us to live supernaturally, we have to have a perspective that, that, that is beyond what just, that, that just, just seems normal. We have to have a perspective that's, that's beyond just what everybody else is thinking, okay? And so here's the deal. God's perspective is eternal, yet simple, and it will keep us from the complicated and the petty temporal. I mean, think about this for a minute. You, how, many, how many times you go, like, life is just so complicated right now? Anybody ever said that? Everything's just so complicated. Like, I don't know. And here's why I find it. When things get complicated, petty things, temporal things set us off. Am I right? When life gets sticky, life gets fuzzy, life gets crazy, it doesn't take much to like, 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 like put you and, and your children at odds. It doesn't take much to put you and your coworker at odds. It doesn't take much for you and your spouse to get at it. It just doesn't take much, right? Because life is complicated. Things are crazy. And God intends, the Bible tells us it takes childlike faith to walk with Jesus, right? So he doesn't intend for it to be complicated. He intends for it to be very simple. But in order for it to remain simple, it's gotta, we, gotta, it's gotta, we have to remain in, in an eternal mindset. And if we don't, things become complicated, petty things get in the way, temporal things mess us up, and suddenly life is just, yeah, right? And so, so in, in Ecclesiastes, we will find this guy named Solomon. I want, you to explain, I want to explain something to you. This man prior to Jesus is known as the wisest man that ever lived. 
And he writes Ecclesiastes from a standpoint like this. I have lived. And he's lived the life all of us have ever wanted in a natural sense. He has built houses. He knows riches. He has 300 wives and 600 concubines. He has lived and the man has lived and he has lived and he has found out that when he got his mind and his heart off of temporal, off of eternal things and put them on temporal things, life just didn't go well. And he li- he's living now trying to help you avoid the regrets that he's had. And he writes from this perspective to help us understand what's really important. A life looking backwards. Looking back over what he has experienced and realizing the things he chased after didn't matter. Over and over and over again, he says this in Ecclesiastes. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. It's vain. Everything I've chased, everything I've run after, it's nothing. It's valueless. It means nothing. And so when we get to Ecclesiastes 7, we'll find these thoughts that make us go, hmm. Because he places value on things we try to skirt around. Listen to these words. Ecclesiastes 7.1 A good reputation is more valuable than costly perfume. And the day you die is better than the day you were born. Well, that's a hmm, isn't it? Better to spend your time at funerals than parties. Hmm. I don't have to be amens right now. Because our minds are wired a certain way. Right? After all, everyone dies, so the living should take this to heart. Hmm. Hmm. Some of us avoid funerals and hospitals like we're avoiding the plague. And we'll run to the next hangout session. No 456 pun intended. We'll run to the party with the wings and the big ball game. And many of us will walk away disappointed. We, we, we will run to, to certain things and, 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 and come up empty and wonder what happened, and we live in such temporary mindsets, don't we? Did you ever think about this? Birth is the gateway to the temporal. Death is the gateway to the eternal. Just, 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 just stop and process that for a minute. Birth is the doorway to temporal things. Death is the gateway to eternal things things the only way we're standing here today and understand eternity at all is because somebody died his name's jesus but he had to be born into the temporary first and the only way his birth even makes a difference to us is because he died do you get that and we are to be his followers so we should have the perspective that the, and can, I, can i tell you something i, I challenge you jesus find, look in the scripture and find a place where jesus says to celebrate his birth can't find it But over and over and over again, he tells us to remember his death. Now, it's funny to me, the thing our culture makes the biggest deal about is the one thing Jesus doesn't even mention. Nowhere in the scripture does the Bible tell us to celebrate the birth of Jesus and what's the number one holiday on the planet. Christmas, right? And he says over and over again, remember my death. What I did, and we'd rather concentrate on that because that seems light and fluffy and angels singing in heaven, and, and the death is like bloody and gory and, you know, dark and earthquake and, and, you know, nails. And so we'd like to, but Jesus is like, no, that's the most important thing, right? I mean, think about, uh, I don't know what this the number one is this, your focus on the day of death is more of, of more value than the celebration of your birth. Think about this for a second. We celebrate births all the time. You know who we're celebrating? The most selfish people on the planet. The second the child is born, they scream because they're cold and they want somebody to do something about it. They will keep you up at night because they want fed and they want fed right now. You better hurry up and change that diaper. I'm mad. 
And then there's those odd moments where you pick them up and you're holding them. And the only thing you can do is like this. And you think you got them settled down. And you go and put them down. And you walk away carefully. And then as soon as, ah! And then you got to go around and hurry up. And all they want is for you to just stop everything you're doing. And just hold them. And, 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 and we celebrate that. Now listen, I'm a pro-life dude all the way. man. I believe life starts at conception. I believe all of that. But understand something. We give more credence to that than we do the fact that somebody lived and gave something into our lives. We would go run to hold a baby. We won't go sit and talk to an elderly person. You understand what I'm saying? Somebody who can give back into us and help us understand what's really important about life. And what's really important about life is not you. It's other people around you. And so it is very much important that we cover it. Some of us, you know how closely you are to Jesus and how an eternal mindset you have? The next time you have a chance to go to a funeral, see which emotions get quirked up. Because if you understand that's just a doorway, it's just a doorway. And I'm not, I'm not diminishing the fact that, that, that grieving is hard. But we as Christians, we just sing words up on that screen that he gave us victory over that thing. And we are the ones who live in most fear. We want to avoid it at all costs. Like, no, you know, I'll just send flowers. That'll be good. And the scriptures here tell us the best place to spend part of our life is at a funeral. Did you catch that? Wow. And here's what we have to consider, knowing that that day is coming. Knowing that one day we are going to walk out of this, this temporal life into an eternal life is this. We've got to consider our name. Today, you have to consider the name. When people begin a conversation about you, what is in their mind? And not only just your name. You were handed a name at birth, right? A first name and a surname. And what right now do those names leave in the hearts and minds of people as they interact around you? But here's the other part. You, most of you sitting in this room right now, are followers of Jesus. You know what that means? You bear someone else's name. Okay, And your name is inextricably linked to his name. So when you're considering what, what residue is in your life, you've got to imagine what connection that's making to the person of Christ. The way he lived, the way he loved, the way he spoke truth, the way he forgave, the way he interacted with the least, the lost, and the hurting. You've got you to think about that. And so we have to consider our, our names. We have to consider our days. See, because here's what we all know. There's a finite number of them. And right now, today, none of us know when the clock is going to expire. None of us. And they're not, there's an eternal amount of them. They're just a specified, specific amount. The Bible says in Psalm 139 that God wrote your life down in a book. He knew every day for a single one of them came to be. And right now, you have to live in the light that maybe... If, if, let's think about it this way. If all of us knew Friday was the last day, if Friday's it, if we know that Friday is the last time we will take a breath on this side of, 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 of heaven, if, if Friday's the last day, blood will pump in our veins. If Friday's the last day, we'll have interaction with our spouses, with our kids, with our neighbors, with our brothers and sisters. If that's it, how does Monday through Thursday look right now? Because I guarantee you, it's different than it is if we're just living with no regard to it. Am I right? We would value things we normally don't value. We we, would make time for things we wouldn't normally make time for. And all the time, the the clock is ticking. And we're trying to avoid the fact that the clock is ticking. And we have to make, we've got to take advantage of every moment, every day, every morning, every cup of coffee, every breakfast, every lunch, every dinner. And we're so stuck in Facebook and Twitter during the time we should be engaged with our families and we're losing time. And we're engaged with other people and we're forgetting the ones who mean most to us. And we're forgetting the fact that people are dying and lost all the way around us. And we're doing nothing and we just have a little piece of time. That's all we've got. You've got to think about your ways. You've got to consider your ways. You know what your ways are? Your ways are your habits, your routines, and your attitudes. Proverbs 3 says like this, we should acknowledge God in all of our ways. That's what he's talking about. Our routines, our habits, our attitudes. Acknowledging God, that's where we bring back the name thing in and the days thing in. When we consider our ways, suddenly life takes on a different path. There are certain things I won't do anymore. 
There are certain routines I won't keep up with. There are certain attitudes I won't convey if I realize I've only got a specified amount of time. And if I, if, I, if I wander through life without considering the name, without considering the days, without considering the ways, I will, my life will be fruitless in vain, just like, just like Solomon talks about. And so today, remember this. Your focus on the day of death is of more value than your celebration of your birth. It is. It is. It is. I know these are heavy. I mean, again, I told you last week, like, to get back into this thing after being out for a summer, I'd like to choose some other things to talk about, honestly. I mean, it is, it's, I know this is heavy, and we're thinking about me- family members south of us who, who are struggling, and, and life is really hanging the balance. But listen, man, they, they, can I say something? For the last few days, they've had a chance to prepare. Right now is your day to prepare. This moment, this time. This, this, this sitting in this seat you're sitting in is your time now to prepare for what might come later. I would not do you a justice as a pastor if I just skimmed over it. I, I, would, not, I would not be helping you if I just told you it could be Friday every day. Because someday, on some Fridays, that's when a hurricane strikes. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying. And so, 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 so we, we've got to keep walking. God's perspective is eternal, yet it's simple. And it will keep us from the complicated. It will keep us from the petty temporal. Which brings me to, 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 to number two. Drop down a few verses to verse 8 of Ecclesiastes 7. Listen to these words. Finishing is better than starting. Patience is better than pride. Control your temper. For anger labels you a fool. Verse 10 says, Don't long for the good old days. This is not wise. Hmm. Just, I, mean, I, I appreciate what Patrick did here at the beginning because that's kind of, kind of the whole point of today is to step back and be silent for a minute and just think about what, what God's Word says. Just, hmm. Hmm. Finishing is better than starting. Patience is better than pride. Control your temper because anger labels you a fool. Don't long for the good old days. This is not wise. That's the Bible. This is God's incorruptible word. What Solomon's trying to get across here is this. Your ability to endure and finish is is of more value than the fact you started. We're impassioned briefly or we're something previously. Finishing. See, as, as people, we are so easily distracted. And bless Jesus, I am one of the worst I have the, the, you know, I am A-D-D to the nth degree, and I just made a rhyme I didn't mean to. Because I can get like, you know, I just, you know, I can be in a conversation with someone. Did I tell you, did I tell you that story? One day I was talking, I think it was to Kyra in the office uh, back here. We were talking, and all of a sudden, uh, we're having this conversation. I'm engaged, I'm looking, and I look, out the, I look out the window behind her, towards where the garage is, back here. And also there's this rabbit sitting there on the, on the, on the pavement. And right inside the thing. And I'm like, and I'm in, the, I'm in the middle of a sentence. Like, yeah, I'd like for you to look at the rabbit. You know, and I'm just. It's not, it's not rare for me to leave my office with the intention of going, getting something done and get halfway there and go, okay, where was I? Does anybody know where I was going? What was, what was, I, what was, I, what was I doing? Where? And I walk around like, okay, go back. What were you thinking about? What were you doing? I got to kind of retrace my steps a little bit. And like three hours, I'm like, oh, yeah. Finish. We have to be those who finish. If you want an idea of what it means to finish, look at the life of Jesus. 
Hebrews 12 says this, For the joy that was set before him, he endured. There was all sorts of things to distract him and dissuade him and all of that, and he just stayed locked on. The Bible says over and over again, Jesus utters words in several places where he says, To him who endures to the end, the same shall be saved. So it's not about us starting, it's about us finishing. Patience is better than pride. Some of you are thinking about patience, you're thinking about, yeah, that person you've got to put up with. The idea of patience is not that. The idea of patience, an old, an old English word is this, and we love this word, long-suffering. It means you've got to go through something. And you're, as you're going through something, you've got to stay on the something you're supposed to be on. on, on. You understand what I mean? And, and you, get, you get puffed up in pride because you started something, right? Well, I, you know, bless God. I, never mind, I was going to say something bad. Well, I, you know, I was the one who, you know, put the list out there of whatever you did, right? But then you, you know, you didn't follow it all the way through, right? And, and we got to be those who finish. We want to leave a residue of the grace and the glory of God in the lives of people. We have to be those that finish. Jesus finished. And here's the other thing. We, it's okay to have passion. I'm a passionate dude, man. But here's what's not good about passion. Sometimes passion based on the wrong things is brief and temporary. And so sometimes anger is a good thing. Some of us think anger is a bad thing. Like, I got angry this week. Listen, Paul writes these words, be angry and sin not. He commands us to be angry. Did you catch that? This is not a license though, okay? No, 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 no. Don't get sideways with me, all right? He says, be angry, don't sin. Now Jesus walks into a temple. He sees a grave injustice going on in the temple. And the man responds in anger, but he never sinned. Because there was an issue defaming the name of his father. There was an issue getting the people of God off mission. There were vulnerable people being taken advantage of, and dude, it just messed with him. And he's like, this has got to end. It's got to end right now. But it wasn't just for a moment. See, that was part of the trail to the cross. It wasn't an impassioned moment of just, Ugh. it was like, That's, this is why I'm here. And so many times there are causes and things of justice issues that fire us up, but they're like for a second. You know what I mean? Like they're in, they're out, they're over, and we get on down the road and forget that there are people still in need. It'd be really easy for us to, 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 with all this hurricane stuff and things going on around us, to get flamed up for a minute and make sure we, but, but, but you know, some of us are not going to consider that, you know, for the next months or years even, people are going to be rebuilding their lives. You know what I mean? It's really easy to see some hungry kid on a commercial and think, oh, i got to do something. And I send in that one check, but that kid still has got to live. You know what I mean? It's real easy to get flamed up when we see addiction taking advantage of someone and like, oh, i got to do, and then not stay in it for the long haul. It's not important that you start something. It's important that you finish it. It's not important that you are impassioned briefly. It's important that you stay in it until the battle is won. Are you understand what I'm saying? And it's not important that you started something, but you get stuck because you keep thinking how good it used to be. In fact, the writer of Ecclesiastes uses the same word. He just uses a contrasting statement. At first he says, it's foolish, let your temper get the best of you. Then he goes, he, he dresses up a little bit. He goes, you know, some of you are stuck in the good old days. This is not wise. You want to say something to you? To be stuck in the, old, in the good old days makes you a fool. That's really what he's saying. And what we do is we sanitize things. We do it with the Bible. We think these biblical characters are these great, whoo, they, they had everything together and they weren't. Read the scripture. They were goofed up, man. There's incest and drunkenness and there's fear and worry and lying and letting your wife get, get hooked up with the Pharaoh. I mean, this is, that's Abraham right there. You understand what I mean? There's Peter cursing out a little servant girl, right? And we try and sanitize it like, like, this, like this thing. And we, 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 we think that, that back there it was, shoo, and we forget that our lives were the same way. Our lives were just as messed up as it was then as it is now. Homosexuality was an issue in the Roman Empire. That's not new. You understand what I'm saying? And we, we have this, this idea like back here it was just so good. And God's like, no, no, it wasn't. You still needed Grace. You still needed help, and you're stuck and back there thinking it was so good, but I want you to move forward. Churches are infamous for this. 
And the Bible says here plainly it's foolish to stay stuck someplace two months, two years, two decades, two centuries ago. It's not wise. The Bible tells us that God is active. He's moving. He is not back there. He is going that direction. He is moving forward. There's a reason the rearview mirror is this big and that windshield is that big. You can't get somewhere looking backwards. You can't get someplace yeah, unless you're unless you're Mater. And who wants to be Mater, really? You know what I mean? And, and, and so we got to think about it. God's perspective is eternal. It's not yesterday. It's not just today. It's looking forward. It's looking beyond what is happening now and saying, I see a greater day coming. I see a moment where I'm going to stand before Christ in eternity. He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, or he's not. There's going to be a moment where he's going to make everything right uh, that was, that's wrong right now. There, there, there's coming, and I have to live in that. And it simplifies life if I let it. I get complicated when I get caught up with everything else around me. Some of you have started things. We talked last week about vows and things of that nature. And some of you are going to cash out on some things you committed to before the end of the journey. And it's going to bring more destruction and more stuff to your life if, if, you, if you don't alter it now. The opportunity today is to understand eternity is coming. And you are going to have to, to, to stand before Jesus. And he wants, he wants you to finish. He wants you to finish well life. He wants you to finish well parenting. He wants you to finish well friendship. He wants you to finish well marriage. He wants you to finish well mission. He wants you to finish well. He wants that for you. And the only thing stopping you is you. Because you're keeping it complicated by focusing on things that aren't eternal. Fleshly desires, fleshly frustrations, fleshly uh, 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 lustful things. You're, you're, you're caught up with things that are going to one day be gone. And today, you're angry about something that you feel justified in, and yet it's just a temporary thing that tomorrow's going to be different. And you're going to make an life-altering, eternity-altering decision that's going to check you out of the race before the race is over. Please listen to the heart of your pastor. I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I'm trying to make you see. Do get eternity in focus, then make decisions. Don't focus on the here and now. Focus on the idea that one day Jesus is going to stand right in front of you. And you and him are going to have deep, the most deeply intimate conversation you have ever had. Are you hearing me? I'll be If I don't prepare you for that day, I'm not doing my job. As good as I can make you feel right now. As good as I can make you walk out here with a big smile on your face and laugh a little bit about some humor that sometimes I can exhibit. If you don't walk out of here with that in mind, if your heart isn't ravaged, then I've not done my job. I'm not here to draw a crowd. I'm here to make disciples. And I hope a crowd materializes. I hope a lot of people's lives get changed, but that is not my focus. Do you understand that? Hmm, number three is found in Ecclesiastes 7.20. It says these words. Not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at the person right in the face, look next to you. Look them right eye to eye. Get, get right eyeball to eyeball. I want you to look at them. I want you to, I want you to look at them like this. I want you to go. Say these words. He's talking about, he, about me. He's, he's talking about me. Okay, look them right in the eye. Look them right in the eye right now. He's talking about me. Because the worst thing you can think right now is that this message is for someone else. Okay? I spent the summer figuring out this dude is completely messed up. He, 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 wow. And, 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 and I, I got my mind off track of some certain things that were really important. And I found out that I'm not always good. And sometimes sin is not easily detectable. Anything that competes for my affection with Jesus is sinful. It's idolatrous. 
anything. And, and, and so I could, I could, if, if I let my sports team jack with my joy, I've crossed over into sin. It's true. Hey, the Buckeyes lost last night. You know what? Jesus is still on the throne. I went to bed last night and slept like a baby. You know what? My Browns played the Steelers today. I'm going to have to endure again today probably. Huh? I get let down all the time. I let people down all the time. Just the way it is. And so if I don't gauge it by my own deal, man, listen. Listen. I got to look at me first. I got to realize I'm the one. See, what happens is if we think we're the one who doesn't have the problem, then we're the one with the problem. See, because I'm the one who stands in need of prayer and grace always and forever, every moment of every day. The Apostle Paul writes words like this in Philippians. He writes two-thirds of the New Testament. For most of us, he is a hero of faith. We, we love what Paul did. He changed the world, man, through his life and through his pen. And, man, I just love to be that guy, right? He writes words like this. This thing that apprehended me, I've not been able to attain it. I have not reached perfection. But this one thing I do, I leave the past behind, sounds like Solomon, and I press on. And can I say something to you? If Paul the Apostle hadn't achieved it yet, you haven't either. He's, what other words he writes in Romans 7 are this. The good I want to do, I don't do. And the evil I don't want to do, I find myself doing. If he did that, trust me, you are doing that. He looks at, he, 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 he pleads with Jesus. I know there's a lot of debate theologically about what this is all about, but he, he pleads with Jesus. There's a messenger of Satan sent to buffet him, he says, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Because he, was, he had a potential of being lifted up in pride. I think it was a sin issue. Because it's a thorn in his flesh. Flesh isn't just about this. Flesh is about the carnality, the nature we naturally have being human beings on the planet. And I think he had a propensity towards something that just kept showing up. And like us, because he writes in Romans 7, and now he's talking about it in 2 Corinthians 12, God's like, he's like, God, just take it from me. I don't know whether it was his anger. Maybe his anger got, got completely out of control, which I can see from him. Maybe it was lust. Maybe he had an addiction to food. Maybe, I don't know what it could have been. But it was something in his flesh, his, his makeup, that leaned him into his sinful nature. And he just wanted delivered from it. Who will, Romans said, he goes, who will deliver me from this body of sin? That's the words he quotes, right? And then Romans 8, he goes like this. There is therefore now no condemnation of them that are in Christ Jesus. He says words, he hears the words of Jesus penned in red in, in 2 Corinthians 12. Paul, I thought, him, I thought him three times that he'd take it from me. And three times it came back this way. Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. And that's Paul, man. If nothing today gives you more hope, then let it be that. Like today, Paul was messed up, and God's grace was enough for him, and he was all that to us, but that means God's with us. Like his grace is for us, like his power is available to us, that he will help us in those buffeting things Satan sends our way to get us down in the dirt, down in the ditch, down in the rut. He's at work right now covering us in his grace. Is that awesome or what, man? Now, I want you to do something, because here's the problem. If we don't look that way, we get lift up in pride. Now, I want you to look back at your neighbor and go like this. He's talking about you, too. Okay? Because here's the other piece of the equation. Sometimes we get this look like this other person's got their trash together, and we're never going to be like them. And then we face discouragement and depression. Am I right? Huh? And I look at him like, I'm never going to be like Pastor Aaron. Oh, please don't be like Pastor Aaron. <laughs> there are some things I'm still working out, man. I'm doing my best to follow Jesus, but dude, I am so sideways and sidetracked at times it drives me crazy. Let alone my wife and my kids. Yesterday, me, believe it or not, I'm like, me and Rachel are on our, on, our, on our porch swing yesterday. And I said, to her, hey, I want to say something to you. I said, okay. And she goes, I think you should. And I went, I said, what? <laughs> I think you should. And I went, I give her every reason why I shouldn't. 
And we had that moment, and we had that weird, awkward silence sitting on the floor swing like this. <laughs> For about 10 minutes, neither of us said anything. And guess what? I sat there and processed, thought about what she said. I, got ang- I was angry about it at first. Then I went, she's right. She's absolutely right. And so when the opportunity materialized for me to make what was wrong right, I made it right. That's yesterday at our house. Now, I don't know what it's like, been like this morning at your house. I don't know if you have those kind of frustrations, but trust me. Listen, we all got tracks in our underwear. <laughs> and I know that sounds rude and gross, but it gets the point across, right? I'd be, I'd be, I want to know how many people right now got holes in their socks they are hiding them shoes. You understand what I mean? Because we got this idea like we or somebody else got their stuff together and it either makes us prideful or it makes us discouraged and frustrated. And it's just not the case. Here's the number three. Listen to me. Your value rests in God's grace, not on your righteous face. Your value rests. It sleeps well at night. It navigates the days. It gets you through the hard times in God's grace, not because you got your stuff together or can make it look like you got your stuff together. You understand that? And here's what happens. If we understand this truth that none of us on earth is always good and never sins, if we understand that, then here's what happens. It keeps us forgiving. It keeps us gracious. And it keeps us joyful. I, I can't live up to a certain standard. I want to, but I just can't. You know what? And sometimes I force standards on you you can't keep up with. And when I try and, and keep those things rolling, you know what happens? I get real bitter. I get real frustrated. And joy leaves my life. When I recognize that it's grace in which all of us stand, suddenly there's an empowerment to encourage you to keep going. Suddenly there's a receptivity from my heart when you say something to me to keep me going. And there's got to be that kind of interaction between us as the children and the people of God. And so listen, the one thing we can do that makes us Christ-like is this. It's being gracious. It's being forgiving. And it's being joyful because once again, the Bible says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame. And so listen, I want for you to be Christ-like. I want for you to have eternity in perspective. God's perspective is eternal, yet it's simple. And it keeps us from the complicated and the petty temporal. Are you hearing me? God's perspective is at times hard for us to grasp naturally. But that's because he wants us to live supernaturally. You got that? It's time for you to take time to go, hmm. Psalm 39, verse 4, the psalmist writes like this. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and how fleeting my life is. Verse 5 says, you have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is but a moment to you. At best, each of us are but a breath. And in the, in, in the text of Scripture, in, in, in the Hebrew text, there's this word there that goes, Selah. And what that means is actually take a breath. David puts in there like, we are but a breath. And he goes, go, go ahead, take one. And then ponder the thought he just dished out. Just take time. Some scriptures say interlude. There's this moment, this this pregnant pause, like stop for just a second, process the depth of those words. All of our days are numbered, man. It's brief. He goes on to say in verse 6, we are merely moving shadows. All our busy rushing ends in nothing. We heap up wealth not knowing who will spend it. That sounds like American life to me, doesn't it? Sound like that to you? 
just us rushing around, trying to get things done. And just and don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Don't have any idea what's going to happen next week or next month or next year. In verse 7, he comes back home. He rounds, he rounds third base and heads home. Listen to the words he, he, he comes to as he makes that journey. And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? Good question to ask right now. Where, where, where do you put your hope? The answer the psalmist gives is like this. My hope, my only hope is in you. The Father, God in heaven, who loved us so deeply he would give everything for us. Wow, right. He is the eternal one. Ecclesiastes later we'll read, he says, he's put eternity in the hearts of every man. And the one thing that's eternal is him. And so when everything else is blowing and moving, and no, 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 I mean, there's an allusion to what's happening in Florida for sure. But th- that, that reminds us that like we can't, there's people right now who spent their lives building for retirement. And they're going to go back to a place that's not there anymore. And their hope can't be in that retirement community. It can't be in that car that they drive. It can't be in in that vacation they intend to take. It can't be in that 401k. It It can't be in those things. Our hope has to be in Christ and in Him alone. See, if we would live according to that eternal perspective, we would rearrange our priorities. It would be different. We would live more more to glorify God if we really live with that eternal perspective, right? We, We would not get caught up with things and get angry with petty things, would we? We just wouldn't. We just wouldn't. We'd be more Christ-like, we'd be more gracious, we'd be more forgiving, we'd be more joyful, and we'd be more truthful. It would be nothing for me to say, yep, i got tracks in my underwear too. But if we don't have eternity in perspective, we have to kind of like, no, well, you know, my stuff don't stink. Or whatever. Okay, sure. Here's what would happen then. Marriages would be different. Households would be run differently. Workplaces would function differently. Neighborhoods would really be neighborhoods because people would care about things that matter, not things that don't matter. Like if the cat bit his stuff in my flower bed. And all of a sudden, you and a neighbor are at it over poop that's going to biodegrade anyway. <laughs> Am I right? And I'm just being real. Because we get, we get, Jack, can I tell you something? God gave me a perfect opportunity just this week to get messed up about something that didn't matter. Gave me the perfect chance. I'm taking my sons and my nephews to football practice. I'm coming down Water Street. I turn left onto Yachtangi Boulevard. Simultaneously, a lady's coming up Water Street. She turns right onto Yachtangi Boulevard, right? As I'm driving down the road, all of a sudden, she decides for some reason to turn left out of the right-hand lane. I got four boys in the car. We're just on time for football practice. Suddenly, life is different than I planned for it to be. And so we pull off the road right there near that water distribution thing there on Yachtangi Boulevard. You know what I'm talking about? Can you park with? Pull off, pull off right there. I get out of the car, and by the time we get out of the car, she is a frantic mess. And I look at her, I say, Are you okay? She said, Yeah, I think so. And she's trying to fight back tears. She said, In 20 and all the years I've driven, I never had not one accident, not one. I'm like, It's okay, it's cool. Let me, let me, let me make a phone call. We'll be all right. And I, 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 the boys were okay. It was just a nudge. I mean, ripped up, the, kind of tore up the door and little World Corps banner and almost tore the, the, the rear bumper off the van and kind of almost ripped her thing off. And, and I, I sat there and I'm like, oh, what do I do, Jesus? And so I, I made a phone call to the police department. I said, hey, we just had an accident on Yachtangi Parkway. She, the lady's like, is anybody hurt? And I said, it doesn't look like it. She said, well, if you guys want to exchange information, it's cool. And I'm like, all right. I said, all right, we'll do that. And so she gets out of the car. She grabs her stuff. Her, her, her insurance card, the one she has in the car, is expired. And she's a mess. I know I got a new one. I don't know. I gotta go. So I call my insurance like thing. Like, and I, I look in our van and guess what? The only one we have in our van, guess what? It's expired. <laughs> Good thing nobody called the police. <laughs> right? 
See, none of us are always good and never sin, right? So I call Rachel. I'm like, where's the insurance? I just put it in. I said, it's not in here. I got to do something. It's not in here. She's like, I'll be right there. I'm like, I'll print one out. I'll bring one. I'm like, okay, good, sweet. So I get on the phone, and I call our, our claims office. And I get on the phone, and she, by the time her dad gets there, and, and she's a mess, I said, listen, you're okay. And I look back at our van, and I said, listen, that can be replaced. All of us are okay. Just had the roughest week, and I don't know what to do. And her, her, her dad gets out of the car. This is so funny. I have these signs on my car, right? You guys, you guys see my car, my cars, huh? Have these signs because I'm doing something that's kind of weird, and I. <laughs> and she goes, "Oh my gosh, you're gonna be my council person." <laughs> and then, as her dad gets out of the car, he recognizes another name that's on my sign. Who's sitting, name nameless, but sitting over there. And he goes, Do you know? And I went, Yeah, I do. And he went, We used to go to church together. And I'm like, Well, sweet. And we had this conversation. And I said, Listen, this is no, I mean, honestly, it's no big deal. And I said, Can I pray for you? And she's like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so right there on the street, when it could have been ugly and I could have get, got really tore up about temporary things, right? That don't matter. It's just a stinking car. I had a chance to be the ministry of Jesus, to offer grace to someone who desperately, I just had the worst week of my life. I don't know. I was lost, and I just tried to get turned back around where I was supposed to go, and I just said, Jesus, and I could have, and, and I would have missed it completely, man. And I had the right. I'm paying insurance on that car. I got four boys in the car with me. We got some place to be. I mean, I go through the list. I had every right to get completely shredded, right? But listen, the grace of God compels me to respond to people the way Jesus has responded to me. And I've got to tell you something. This summer's taught me that I need grace more now than I've ever needed it. Like, like right now, in my life, at this moment, I need more of the grace of God, not less. I need it every second of every day. And when I receive it like that, I'm more able to give it away. And so listen to me. Be that person. Today, consider your today, consider your legacy. Consider the legacy of Jesus in your life. Consider your name. Consider the name of Jesus attached to it. Consider your days. Consider your ways. Because it matters. All of us. Where's that sign at? You matter. And that's not just because you matter to God, it's because your life matters and influences other people's lives. Follow through. Don't just start things. Don't just get impassioned briefly. Don't be stuck in the good old days. Get ready to move forward. Be ready to finish what God's put in your heart for you to accomplish. And listen, find value. In his grace, not in your own face or anybody else's. Find value in, in his grace. Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant. Another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churcht.org.